0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Kia ora and welcome. This is Garden of Sound, today on the show Black Hole Stars. Born of the musical imaginings of one Richard Grist, who alongside Greg Mannering and Dave Deacons have over the last one and a half years put together a collection of songs which they plan to release over the coming year. No stranger to the live music scene, Richard spent 10 years on the wedding circuit alongside his wife. Greg's played in successful covers bands ever since leaving high school, and the third piece of the Stars lineup is a founding member of little-known Kiwi group called Salmonella Dub. With a recording done and an avalanche of releases pending, how long will New Zealand have to wait to see the musical talents of Richard, Greg and Dave? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Black Hole Stars on 96.9 Plains FM. And a very good afternoon uh, to Greg Mannering and Richard Grist, uh, two-thirds of Black Hole stars. Um, Greg, tell me what life was like growing up.
0: My parents were musical. My dad was a really good saxophone player and mum was a pianist and um, there was always music in the house. So everything from James Last to The Beatles to lots of ABBA um, who were my first big love when I was a boy So I'm giving my age away there
1: Any classic ABBA track that you fall back
0: on? Uh, I love them all but I personally think SOS is one of the greatest pop songs ever written Lots of country music The old man was really into his country music So there was lots and lots of country music And I never thought about it at the time But looking back he had really good taste in country music Lots of Chris Christopherson Tom T. Hall Willie Nelson The good stuff So oh. that was there right from right from when I was small.
2: Mm.
1: Richard, I'll flick over to you. Uh, What about your home life?
2: I was adopted for a start, so I can't sort of say that my genealogy, you know, I can't sort of trace anything back. So it becomes a nature-nurture kind of thing, Very much so, very much so. I recently um, met my birth mother, and my birth father apparently had a guitar. So it's interesting if you think about the nature-nurture thing, it's definitely more of a nature thing. Big, big turning point for me was watching beatles anthology it was significantly just blew my mind watching there was a series i think there was a probably four or five different programs one a week on this anthology and it just went through all the beatles early yeah. stuff and it was just brilliant yeah so that kind of hooked me from then on I, I really wanted to do music
1: and what about musical education was there any prompting from your um, from your mum and dad
2: yeah we went to church like um i really Hated trying to sing hymns right from an early age because they were too high, and I'm being a baritone. Even as a kid, I I get a really sore throat trying to sing them, and it, it really sort of put me off. But I did um, have the opportunity. My cousin played piano, and so my mum tried to get me to learn the piano, but I just kept getting bored with it okay
1: so the piano but stringed instruments at least Where well what happened along?
2: was i went to school and saw the school band this is high school it was actually david Deacons who is playing on this joe morgan who um is an old school friend who was playing bass and a guy called russell norton playing guitar and they were just the high school rock band and they actually performed an assembly one day and it just rustled at a lead break, and I was hooked. It was around about the same time that the Gordons actually did a, their school tour, and they rocked up at our school oh, and yeah. played the Gordons at, our, at lunchtime. Just I'm unfamiliar with the Gordons, so they're they well, they're basically a noise band, um, flying nun. They were really really good. They really were ahead well, of their time though. They oh, were, they were really yeah. they were ahead of their time. All right, they were massively loud incredible though they would have been like 130 db in our school gymnasium <laughs> but yeah just a combination of things really just being there at that time and just uh, suddenly really wanted to do music mm. from then on, on and that I've never been able to kind of shake the bug really
1: Greg I'll, I'll jump over to you in terms of uh, picking up an instrument or, or singing where did you sort of get the bug obviously we've got we've got ABBA, you know got Benny <laughs> and Bjorn doing their thing and <laughs> Egther yeah, and
0: Freda. um yeah, was always listening to music, but the thing that made me really take notice was when I first saw Kiss on telly. <laughs> And that was amazing to me. Yeah. Um, so, and for some, I don't know why, but I always gravitated towards the um, the, the the low noises. The, ba- the always love the sound of the bass guitar. Don't know why.
1: In as many um, weeks, I've had another bassist say exactly the same thing. Mm. Is this is this a commonality that you sort of found?
0: Possibly, I don't know, but it just it, it, I always love the sound of it. We had um, a family that lived across the road from us when I was about eleven or twelve, and this friend of mine's mum had a, a Beach Boys record, and I can remember just. She used to have it on. I would just be obsessed with these, Mm. with the bass lines on these Beach Boys songs. And in hindsight, that was probably kind of cool because Brian Wilson was awesome. Um, And so that that was there was that. And then it just and then I got really obsessed with Kiss for a while. Um, But then, yeah, when I was thirteen or fourteen, I first heard uh, the Jam. Mm -hmm. I mean, I reckon if you live long enough to live through a few musical events like you know Britpop or grunge or whatever then you can appreciate them for what they are but I reckon the music that first ever excited you is the stuff that you sort of come back to the stuff that stays with you the longest and when I was 13 or 14 I'm much the much so made as Rich I'm a year or so older but there was so much exciting music happening around about then and all the bands seemed to sound different from each other yep. and they all had awesome bass players and they all had awesome songs and for me it was just it was mind-blowing so we're
1: talking late 70s 1979 1980 yeah. yep. 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 okay yep.
0: and so all of that was amazing to me and then and then but when i first heard the jam and the stranglers and yeah. three or four the clash all in the quick succession it was just it just blew me away yeah so yeah.
1: when did the um, when did the instrument fall into your hands?
0: I, it took me until I was 16 to nag my parents into it, actually. They, I, I got a bass guitar and an acoustic guitar for my 16th birthday. Wow. Both. Um, I don't ever remember learning the guitar, but I can play the guitar, but I don't ever remember sitting and obsessing over it, but I do remember obsessing over the bass for just months and months and months and every little nuance of all my favourite songs and Christchurch
2: question for those listening around the world. It's a, it's a standard thing. Where did you go to school, Richard? So I went to um, what Hillmorton High was my my high school. Ah. That's where I met up with uh, Dave and and those guys. Which is,
1: yeah. And uh, Greg, do I have to answer this one? Yes, you do. St. beads. St. beads. Okay. <laughs> so the question is, um, was it always going to be music? Is it was there a dream and a desire uh, for both of you, you know, to to want to
2: get into it, or, or were there other studies, were there other jobs? Out on the horizon, I did actually um, play in a covers band with my wife for ten years. We did a duo, one of those with a sequencer, and you know we'd played weddings and stuff like that. So, um, how was that experience? Well, it was fun in, in the sense that it was it was a good learning curve. You had to learn a good hundred odd songs to play. So, I mean, in that in that sense, um, it, it was good. It was fun. We used to travel a lot around South Island. Played a lot of different pubs and Timaru and things like that. And there was always the crowds were always really into it. But I, I must admit, you'd be standing there after a while, going, "God, I hate this. For, hate this." <laughs> and so, on. so was got to there play this one again? You know, an
1: element of frustration that the originals weren't giving a well, chance to show. Well, I it? was
2: always writing originals anyway, and that was, I guess, the thing um, that it was frustrating that you had to be doing this other stuff when you'd rather be just doing your art, really. Mm. Um, so for me, I, 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 I got a a fostex x15 cassette four track when i was still at school and that that thing changed my life on another way in, in in the sense of composing and, and creating stuff so i got this thing and i just i had an old 12 string guitar and an old analog delay pedal and i just made these weird noises with it and made created these bizarre songs and it i was just completely hooked on that and that from that moment i all i wanted to do was that stuff um, and, I, and I've kind of done it ever since. We're going to get to the
1: production of um, these eight tracks sure. um, that you guys are uh, putting out. But I just wanted to find very quickly, Greg, um, do you want to tell me about the first band you were ever in?
0: I put an ad up um, in CJ's music store as it was then uh, when I was still in high school and um, just saying, you know... Um, looking for a band I'm into the jam and the clash and Susie and the Banshees and all those bands (laughs) that you're into and I was in sort of the sixth form at high school and never even thought about it it was up there for months and I'd forgotten all about it and then I was in my seventh form year which I only lasted half of I just got yeah over school so I left and got a job Um, and bizarrely about no more than a month after I finished left high school someone answered my ad and said hey are you still looking for this gig and I said sure and um and they said, Well, can you come and audition for us? And it was just some, some fellas. I, I I'd just turned 17, and these fellas seemed like such grown ups to me, but they were probably only in their early 20s themselves. They had a band that was gigging around the town, and um, their bass player had quit. So I went in um, terrified with my black suit with my little jam badge on the lapel and um
2: <laughs> you dressed up <laughs> and, in a suit uh, that's that's something and, Paul and, Weller walking on that. yeah
0: <laughs> and i can remember being terrified but compelled to want to do it at the same time and i passed the audition and before i knew it i was standing on a stage in a pub um it just it was a covers band but but um so i went from just a basically a standing start to to playing pub gigs when i at a really young age and i was in that band for a year i suppose um, and then that started an endless string of cover bands I've been in over the years. Um, but that, I was really fortunate that that one happened early, early on. Yeah.
1: We've covered a lot of ground and especially a lot of artists. Um, and I always sort of hark back to your influences. And it seems like uh, The Jam has been a, um, <laughs> a big me. one uh, for you guys. Um, is there a particular track
0: um, from uh, Paul and the Boys that you think
1: uh, would go down well?
0: Yeah, well, Richard and I had a bit of a chat, and we're both very fond of the tune "Going Underground." It's a, a great racket, and it's a really angry song, and it's also um, a number one melodic pop song. So, how cool is it that it's all those things at the same time?
3: Some people might say my life is in a rut, quite happy. people might say that I should strive for more, but I'm so happy happening here today? A show of strength with your boys brigade. And I'm so happy, and you're so fine. You want more money? Of course, it don't You buy for atomic rights, and the public gets what the public wants. But I want nothing. Make me, I've been enough already on my fight. People might need some tension to relax me I'm too busy dodging between the facts You see, it's what you get You've made your bet, you better lie in it You choose your leaders and place your trust As the lies, will show down and their promises rust There's a killing machine with paper, rockets and guns And the public wants what the public gets But I don't get what society wants I'm going on the ground i
1: Garden of Sound interview with Black Hole Stars on 96.9 Plains FM. Hey, I'm Max, singer and guitarist from Merlin Co. When you need some stellar photos to help sell your band or next gig, get in touch with Shannon Jessica. She's not just a great photographer, she froths local music. And that passion comes through full swing in all the work she does. This month, Shannon's offering a lovely introductory special, meaning your
2: shoot could cost as little as 150 bucks, But these packages have got to be snatched up by the end of the month. So visit ShannandJessica.com for a beaut portfolio from your next gig. That's shannonjessica.com.
1: This is the Garden of Sound interview with the Black Hole Stars on Planes FM 96.9. I want to talk about getting off to gigs and concerts and things. They're very sort of formative in your musical education and life. Um, Greg, what was the first one that you um, got off to? Something big, maybe you paid some cash Yep, the first a, one so. I can
0: remember going to was the Stray Cats at the Christchurch Town Hall when I was 15, and I was captivated. Yeah,
1: Was there a standout track or moment? Uh,
0: no, because I hadn't seen any live rock and roll before, um, I didn't really know what to expect, but they were just, I mean... Again, I found out in hindsight that when I was 15, they were only sort of 19. They were just kids themselves, okay. but they were, they were amazing. They were just energetic, and um, I'd never been anywhere that had music that loud and the lights, and again, captivating and, and um, quite earth-shattering for a 15-year-old brain. Yeah. Uh,
1: did you know of any other venues
0: in Christchurch um, where folks were playing at, or at least mm, original artists? No, no, because I, I mean, back when I was 15, the, the drinking age was 20, Obviously, so yeah. pubs were out of the question. All <laughs> that as it turned out, a couple of years later they weren't out of the question, um, but um, yeah, so I, I went to lots of shows at the Town Hall when I was a young fella, yeah. lots, yeah, yeah. Crumbs I saw, Split Ends, Elvis Costello, George Taragood, Midnight Oil.
2: Richard, what about yourself? Yeah, my big one was Devo in 1982 at the Town Hall and they were phenomenal, they, they were just incredible, I can remember just being blown oh, away. They were just like robots, they were like synchronised robots, mm-hmm. They were just their stage show was so good. I think one thing I would say about that a lot of that old music was quite upbeat, you know, quite quite yeah. grunty and upbeat yep. and tight. And yep. I think that that's come through in the, in the stuff that we do. With you know, we're, we're an upbeat sort of band, really.
1: Let's move on to Black Old Stars. At least, how did you guys meet?
2: Greg and I met on the soccer field. We, both our sons played soccer for a season together, and we were sort of on the sideline the whole whole season. Had no idea that I had no idea that he played bass, and I think I might have said something to. One of the other guys about music and greg's ears pricked up and we were literally walking to the car park on the very last i just got
0: nosy i think and said, it's yeah, a musician yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: on the very last the game just on their way out mm-hmm. and suddenly had this conversation oh shit, yeah I'm, I, yeah i've been doing this and recording music and he says he's he was halfway through his his own sort of little album at home lo and behold we use the same software reaper which is a you know audio production software in, and I said, well look mate, I've been using that for for ages. do you want to you know should get together sometime and have a bit mm. of a bit of a look and I'd be keen to check out what you're doing sort of thing Richard was a
0: great help in getting my project finished last year and then he said I said oh will you, will you play on mine and
1: there's a, a nucleus at least. Um, sort of how did the formation continue? Because you've got uh Dave Deakins on drums, yeah. So as well.
2: Dave's an old friend of mine from school, as I said, you know, um, sort of kept in contact obviously over the years. And um, they played at my party, had a party a couple of years ago. And they within 10 days we had a cover band organized for the party, and a few other bands played, which was great. Um, but yeah, I just I suddenly had this thought because I I just finished helping Greg mix his and I had a bunch of songs that I thought, look, I've got a a few really good ones. I'll do what he's done. Yeah, put a lot of energy into it and, and, and kind of do it like, you know, do it properly at home and do something with it. You know, it's interesting you say do it properly at home. There's a, obviously a lot of skill there.
0: What you'd done though, mate, is you'd, Richard had been recording himself forever, and so yeah. he had this vast catalogue of songs. And I remember, remember, we sat down for over a few nights and just picked right. out just eight or eight or so that you thought mm-hmm. you wanted to do. So Richard had a lot of a back catalogue to go through, yeah. um, which was a, a bit of a task in itself, wasn't it, just picking the ones that you wanted to do, and then um, and once, right. we'd, once we'd chosen those, then I guess the task became a bit simpler.
2: I had this moment where I was driving down to Queenstown, for, I think it was that, that Christmas, or Wanaka or somewhere, we were heading down there for, you know, for summer, for a couple of weeks off, and I suddenly thought to myself as I was driving, I was thinking in my head, which songs am I going to record? And then I suddenly thought, why don't I... I mean, it's just stupid. But I've got a, a mate, a really good mate, who's a, a a top engineer. I've got Dave, who's a great drummer. Greg is a great bass player. Why don't I just ask them? Should we just go into the studio and, and actually when I mean do it properly, just I'll spend some money, you know, and and just do it. I think it was just asking them. You know, initially I thought, oh that. Too much hassle getting people involved, you know, they might not want to or whatever, but it was just a matter of asking, and they were keen, yeah, no worries, it'd be cool. In a sense, we had four practices that was ready to go, you know, while it was still fresh, and hit the record button at that point. It just there's a bit of energy and magic that kind of happens, and I think that's what we were hoping to capture. And it, and it worked really. We just went in there, and, and so it's on one. One session, we just recorded the drums, bass, and guitar live mm. in this room. Just whacked them all through, played them about two or three times nice each. Nice live beat track, mm. yeah. And um, from that, that's what we used as a foundation for the next 16 months for me to keep going back and overdubbing all the guitars and layering and the, and the vocals and then got these guys to do some back, backing vocals mm. and things like that.
1: Greg, we talked about sort of uh, going down the plug-in hole as it mm. were. Um, how much recording have you done uh, in studios?
0: When I was a young fella, I went I went to Australia um, when I was in my late teens and I lived lived in Sydney for about seven years to go and try my hand over there. And I was in an originals band over there that, that had um, four or five goes in studios. We-, we um, What were we, they called? The band was hilariously called Clock Struck One. Um, it's not bad, which we thought was kind of cool back in the day, but and so we had a we had a few goes in the studio Um, we saved up all our money and went to a big flash studio 301 I think it was called the single was never released for you know band political implosion reasons, but um mm. so yeah, but I hadn't spent and that's a long time ago So I hadn't spent any time in a, a proper studio until um until I met Richard But um, but i had been yeah fiddling around doing some recording at home um, all, all along yeah.
1: so for these eight tracks. What was the experience like? Uh, For you getting back in there.
0: I mean Richard and I got along right from the time we met and um, I hadn't really known Dave But but we he's a nice fellow and we we just clicked straight away So rehearsal was easy We had four or five no more than that rehearsals out at Dave's place and the songs just seemed that we sort of threw ideas around and We were pretty brutal saying that that doesn't work. Yep, that works There was nothing that stopped us from just getting from point A to point B And then the night we went into the studio to record them. We just plugged in and went one two three four boom and it just It it felt like a gig to be fair, it was sort of like, um, so we had eight songs, we played them all two or three times each, so we played sort of 24, 25 songs. Um, which we've all played gigs that long and longer our whole lives, so it wasn't mm. really a yeah, thing. We just Argers. went and smashed them out, and then um, yeah. it is
1: time for some music. And normally I would ask what a favourite track is, but I think at this point it is uh, probably right to be playing something um, off this off this re- release at least. Um, what track should we listen to? We just play "I Surrender" since it was released. It was only released on the twentieth. Why out of the eight was "I Surrender" uh, the one that you wanted to release at this point?
2: Well, yeah, it was a hard one to decide which one. What we did, we thought we would do, is release one maybe every two months of the eight, rather than releasing it all in one hit, and then it's over with. Just drag it out a bit, get a wee bit of interest um, by doing that, and keeping keeping alive, I guess. Um, I surrender! It's just a, it's a great little poppy tune. It's quite it's quite upbeat.
1: And what's the song about?
2: It's about. Um, is it a love song, Richard? Well, I guess it is. I suppose it's probably <laughs> one of the only ones. It's more of a, about giving in. It's about a compromise. You know, you compromise for love, and um, you know sometimes you just you have to give up and, and go with it. Really. Yep. So, yeah. So. I
1: surrender. Black hole stars. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Black Hole Stars on Planes FM ninety six point nine. We've just heard "I Surrender," which is one of the eight tracks uh, that you recorded with Ian McAllister, um, and it was done uh, quite a while ago. Now, the interesting thing is, you're putting together this amazing music, um, but there's not too much of a live thing going on. So, do you want to just sort of like take me through the take me through the thought process? Is there still
2: joy there to play live? Absolutely, yeah. I think that's 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 what it's all about. Playing live is kind of it's connecting it's connecting with people, and I think that's for me anyway. That's what it's all about for me is is the whole connecting with people and kind of getting into this thing where everybody, everyone benefits. It's not it's not just about us. It's about the crowd. It's about just playing music together. It's about playing with other people. Having said um, all that,
0: though, we we never really conceived the thing any particular way. We didn't say right well. Do this and do that, and then we'll get some gigs. But we did at the very start. You sort of said the idea of it was to record these songs. Yep. So I guess it was without us saying so, it was conceived as a recording project. And it wasn't until we got halfway through that we went, "Oh, it'd be good to get some gigs, wouldn't it?" Mm.
2: The main goal was just let's record these really well. We've got an opportunity here. Let's just do it for fun. And um, you know, we've got fantastic equipment we we used, and mm. it's turned out. Well, we're really happy with it. So. What's
1: the response been to that first single?
2: Couple of music blogs have picked it up, and then they're streaming it on their, you know, their playlists, which is really cool. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of positive, po- positive feedback.
1: What did Ian McAllister bring to the to the process? I'll open it up to either of you.
0: He brought an insane attention to the sort of detail that we hadn't even thought of. Really, he Sorry. brought an amazing microphone collection, and he knew exactly how to use them, which is how he managed to get the very best out of all of the sounds. Because it does sound great. Yeah. And he just knew. If we do this in this order and put that microphone there and play that part there, it'll just work. And he was right pretty much every time, wasn't he?
2: He's a bit of a genius, really. He's one of these guys that just knows his stuff, you know.
1: What about the choice and takes? I mean, surely he can't have sort of read your mind the whole way through.
0: No, we sort of picked the bits out of the takes that we liked the best, didn't we? Yeah. Initially the key was to get a really good rhythm track so we had to make sure that Dave and I were happy with the with the drums and the bass and yep. and and um and Richard played you know a really good rhythm guitar track through all of it which I think you kept all of those didn't you
2: Well they're all they're, they're the core the core sound is that telecaster of Dave's Yeah 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 playing.
0: so so we managed to get the sound of a nice, snarly three-piece, um, and then we just went through them, and I think we just sat here with a beer one night and went through them all and said, yep, we like this one, we like that one.
2: We picked the right takes that we were going to use and then build on from that, mm. but what I did, this is why it took 16 months in a sense, I got all those tracks, bought them home, the ones that we were going to use, and I did my all my guitar parts, mock mock guitar parts here, so then we just opened up. That session, and I and I just copied what I'd done at home, mm. but with the really good microphones, the good amps, that sort of thing.
1: So, what kind of advice are you going to pass on to um uh, to little little Richard, obviously not the little Richard, but <laughs> little Richard and little Greg, um you know maybe looking back to your sort of mid teens, anything you'd do differently?
0: I would tell little Greg, don't worry so much, um, be more patient, and um yeah. Yeah, just just all those usual usual things that you tell a an overwrought seventeen or eighteen year old. It'll be okay.
2: What about yourself, Richard? Not to be such a perfectionist. I think um my little four track probably got the better of me and I just spent I can remember one time spending six hours on the thing trying to trying to re sing something and by the end of it there was you know, there was so much bleed through it was like a it was like a choir. But I mean I think you probably I would just say get out and have fun. <clears throat> just get in mm-hmm. Play in as many different bands as you can if you've got time. Obviously, when you you know you haven't got so many commitments when you're younger, just get out and meet people, have fun, and and I think you know that that's what it's all about. And then something will happen. You know, you'll get into the right chemistry with the right people, and if it's going to happen, it'll happen. I think the trouble is if you're a songwriter, you tend to, it's quite an insular thing, and you can often just go into your own shell and write. Um, <clears throat> I think some bands that write together it, it's quite a different thing and it's something not something I've really done much but it really works for for some people you think about U2 and bands like that they all, they all just write as as a band and i think that would be quite a cool thing in, in, a, in a way you'd have the momentum of four people rather than mm. just yourself
1: mm. in terms of composition um,
2: did you help greg on any of his pieces no, none of the actual writing it was just the just the recording that that i helped greg with Mm. Yeah, I'd had just, just the all my stuff
0: was pretty much done, and, and did over Richards. He'd he had his songs fully formed, you know. So we mm. just, uh, yeah, we just we sort of help each other with arrangements a bit.
1: So already before the formation of the band, there was that sort of real cohesion uh, going on.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think probably playing at my party was a, a good thing too because we we actually got together as a band and knocked out these songs just you know just for fun. And, just we got for to fun. check each other out, didn't we? Really? Yeah, so. we suddenly <laughs> I, I suddenly realised these guys are buddy mate. You know, they're yeah. really really. It's just so easy to play with, yeah you know I think it, that's a, a big thing too if you've if you find the right people um you just click and, and that's probably mu- um rhythmically, yeah. you just bang on and you can just you know that they're going to be bang on yep. ju- just this thing happens it's really hard when you're playing in a band and the the drum is not you're not quite clicking or or the you know, or the the bass player or something there's not that cohesion isn't there, but when you get a bunch of really good guys together that bang, it's just it's just so easy and I think that that was really evident when we when we played at that party. Is
1: <laughs> there a name for this collection of tracks?
2: Yeah, so we thought it would be an album and I know eight songs is probably slightly low for an album, but we've got the beauty of being able to do whatever we want. And we, we are planning to release a track one at a time rather than releasing a whole album at once. So it gives us an opportunity if if, if in, you know, six months we decide to go and back and knock out a couple more in the studio we can. And is there another track that we can hear off the um, off the collection? There's a, there's a song called halfway home which we, we quite Funnily like. enough yeah 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 <laughs> which is um really catchy and I think the reason for that is I tried to write a bit differently um, I did this songwriting workshop with a guy called Jason Bloom who's a, like a big Nashville guy and he's he's written songs for backstreet boys he, he actually a couple of his songs are on millennium so he, he made a crap load of money just just from that on on his doorbell is this um ding 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 whatever it is well that the Melody. That tune bought this house, a big flash house in Nashville. So anyway, he, he then came over and he did, did a songwriting workshop and I thought, well, that'd be interesting. I'll see what I can learn from that. And um, yeah, completely different to what I've ever thought about in terms of songwriting. What he does is he basically, he writes his words out, gets his he gets a title first and then he writes a, a, a chorus. Then he sings it as just with a, with a microphone into a dictaphone. He just sings it as many ways as he can doesn't even pick up an instrument until he's finished the song that's what he he said that's the way to do it he says you know there's no no point picking up a guitar and bashing out a few chords and then trying to write a song it'll just narrow you into too much of a narrow you know it'll push you into this narrow way that you can only your melody can only go a certain way it's the chords dictate where it can go so he said this is what we do um and so I tried it you know I found it really really hard because for years all I've ever done is just write chords and get a nice chord progression and improvise the melody over that so it was really hard so I tried to do a few songs just just singing and into the you know acapella into the dictaphone and halfway home was one of them and it in some ways it really does work but it you can end up, when when I first started doing it, they, they all sort of sounded like nursery rhymes. <laughs> they sounded a wee bit kind of... Um, Are you hearing
1: then, the backing in your head when you're singing?
2: No. Well, when, you, well, when you're doing it th- this way, all you're really tr- doing is you're focusing on the melody. So you're not thinking about the the chords, the harmonising under the melody. You're just thinking about the melody, I think, because you're focusing on that. I mean, when you walk down the street and you whistle a tune then that's a good melody isn't it I think for pop songs anyway that's the mark of a good song is if you can you can hum it as you're walking down the road now if you're just focusing on writing a melody on its own it's not going to be boring you know you know what I mean it it can't be because you're you're putting your energy into making sure that melody does something interesting and so anyway that's just his theory he said that Diana Warren she's one of the best she wrote the the um, she wrote Titanic and and lots of other things she's a very famous songwriter, she's not a musician at all, she just writes songs that way, she just hums a tune writes the lyrics and then gives that to the musicians to work out the music for and Seal, um, Kiss from a Rose he did the same thing, I mean he had all these examples of, of People that
1: and he build. also had Trevor horn to um, produce the hell out of it as well oh but, yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so we anyway um, anyway
2: that's just uh, it was an experiment and so that song uh, was written that way for anyone who's interested but everyone I think <laughs> That's fantastic
1: <laughs> this is black hole stars with halfway home. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Black Hole Stars on Planes FM 96.9. Uh, we've heard a couple of tracks off the release. Um, so you've been talking about wanting to put um, you know, a, a track out every, uh, every couple of months or so. Anything on the horizon sort of live playing-wise for you guys? Any thoughts there?
2: Well, Dave's just been over in Australia at Salmonella Dub touring, so he's back. I think he's back now, um, but yeah. Basically, when we when we heard all all eight songs completed in the studio last week, we all sort of thought, "Hey, let's let's do something. You know, let's start. Well, let's relearn the songs Indeed. again, yeah. and and have a bit of a practice. And um, yeah." Go out and get a few gigs. There's other other friends of ours and bands that. I mean, it's always good to get a few bands together, and maybe two or three bands, and and do a night somewhere. So we're, we're definitely keen to start doing that. Just have fun with it, really.
1: Mm. Okay. So aside from the um from the playing, uh, Greg, any um unfulfilled uh, musical desires or fantasies for you? Anywhere you'd like to play? Anything you'd like to do? Well, does Wembley count? Mm, um, absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're a young Valley I think oh I'd love to do this I'd love to play here I'd love to do that but rather than looking back at, or, or looking at things that I wish I could do or, or um, you know it would have been nice to do this but I haven't I'd much rather look forward to the things that I know I'm going to do if you know what I mean so. And what about your own stuff? Yeah well the little project that I'm am I allowed to talk about that here yeah, yeah. it's a black hole asking. Um, My little thing's Um, called Skywriters and it's just a, a recording thing of my own really so I released an EP of that last year and I'm sort of halfway through trying to get another one together which will hopefully be turning into reality sometime next year I was hoping it was going to be this year but I've just gotten busy with other things Black Hole Stars among them mm-hmm. so um, I mean I, I write and record songs for the same reason Richard does I just I just love it I love fiddling about in the studio and yeah. mucking about with guitars and microphones So, um, and that'll just happen in its own good time So, Is mm.
1: there any aspect
0: of mentoring from the two of you to, uh, to to younger folks maybe sort of coming up through the ranks? Well we've both got musical children does that yeah. count? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so we um, Speaking for me personally, I've I've got um, yeah m- one of my sons especially is is, is heavily in- interested in music, so I spend a lot of time just helping him out financially mostly. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, what yeah, does, yeah But what does he
1: do? Play. He
0: sing? he plays the guitar and the bass and the piano. He's he's multi talented. Yeah, yeah. So so the the sounds in our house can go from honestly, he can be playing misty on the piano one minute and then we're getting a little bit of cannibal corpse on the guitar the next but as far as mentoring other people I've I've never really thought of that to be honest but um you know speaking for my son who's in um school bands and and that I mean he's he's getting everything out of music that I had hoped he would at this age he's got a really good gang of friends and they play and they love it and it's it's if, if ever the opportunity came for me to be able to help other young fellas to to get what my son's getting out of it and his friends are getting out of it then I don't know how I would ever do that but um but It's just its good to see, it's really good to see. Yeah, watch yeah. this space. Mm, what
1: about yeah.
2: um, uh, the grist yes, musical well, legacy? How yeah. is that? Well, they're Brownleys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My young son Michael is um, so him and his friend, we just we talked to um, Joe Bonamassa the other day, Fantastic. which is absolutely brilliant. And so, yeah, I mean, my son is just suddenly. I mean, you can't tell them to pick up an instrument. No, you, you know, you can tr- you can try and make them learn the piano or stuff. Yeah. They they won't want to do. It. They've just got to do it on their own. And so I had this other guitarist. I've been buying and selling guitars for a while. Anyway, he picked up this guitar, and the next minute, am he's playing "Stairway to Heaven" on it. And I'm thinking. Geez, I didn't even know you could play the guitar, and he's playing Stairway to Heaven. So he's on YouTube learning these things. And it's interestingly, they pick all these old songs, which is quite amazing.
1: And uh, Joe Bonamassa is is fabulous. Any other um, uh, electric guitarists throughout the years that you'd say, yeah, he was the one?
2: Or she oh, was the Hen- one? Hendrix would have to be number one for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting hearing um, a lot of blues guitar players that they all seem to do the same things. You know, They do these signature, cool sort of blues riffs. He didn't do riffs that you'd recognise. He just played what was in his head, I think. He just had the ability to, I think he, he played constantly 24 7. He always had a guitar. If you read. Stuff about him, he would just—he'd be walking through the kitchen with his guitar. He never took it play, off. Play, play, play. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I mean, you hear a lot of—you um, hear a lot of his influences, like Freddie King, um, or you know, those kind of old blues guys. It was—it was just he was able to connect completely to his his mind, and just flowed freely. Just yeah, totally. Like no yeah. one else I've ever heard really. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good, technically brilliant people, but yeah. he. He probably wasn't technically brilliant, but he was brilliant, yeah, in other ways. And yeah. he could do things that no one else could could do. And as a young, you know, I got into him when I was at school, and just I I was obsessed by Hendrix, yeah. and, and just played, tried to play all these old these Hendrix songs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think
1: it's appropriate that we take the show out with some music, uh, gentlemen, Richard, Greg. I want to thank you so much for being on Garden of Sound. Uh, I wish you the best for uh, uh, for the um, for the release. Um, what track, Jimmy track? What track are we going to listen to? Let's just do All Along the Watchtower. Amazing. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you.
4: There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the Joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Business man there to drink my wine. This is not
1: Time for my Tracks of the Week. To keep the vibe fresh, we've got new releases from Troy Kingy, first up with Ethiopia. And for dessert, Lontalius, with a sweet new offering called Make My Dreams Come
5: True. I your Every single one holds the clues Blue aside, what's for those who... Chosen one been there since the very beginning of time some say we were forged in the dream light all oh, well, where the earth was being designed. Oh, Family tree, our hazy history. Says he ain't no lie
1: That's so it for today. You can find most of the tracks we talked about today on a bespoke Spotify playlist created especially for this show. To find that and a heap more about black hole stars, just head to gardenofsound.nz and click on the picture of the band. This has been Garden of Sound. Until next week, keep well, keep listening, keep playing. Hi there.